0: Doing it live, John. Doing it live. No, because we're recording. <laughs> no. it's not live. It's live to live to live to us. Live to disc. I was gonna say live to MP3, but it's really not. Damn. Oh, well, John. How you doing? Good. You sure you, it's I Um,
1: you're not, you don't hear any clipping going on? Test one. I too. don't. Okay. I think I think you're hearing a little bit of static at the end, but I don't know what that is. I don't think it's clipping. Is that what you think you're hearing?
0: Like uh, a little bit of static? Um, I, I guess. It just, you know, sounds like clipping. A little bit of digital clipping. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I don't it's, t- I hear a pop.
1: I don't. But it's that. not, it's not a, like right there I heard it. okay. Right, every, every time I, one, two, three, I don't know. <laughs> I was wow. hearing it consistently for a bit. Well, this is the show, so we probably should move on. <laughs> no, 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 we can talk about it. <laughs> it's our show, we can talk about whatever we want. That's true. <clears throat> If you want a purely Salesforce focus, nothing but Salesforce news and everything else, start a podcast.
0: There you go. That's true. Actually, you know, I saw something the other day. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I think it was on Twitter. I think it was, it was uh, along the lines of how there are so many podcasts now. I guess the, I guess the number of podcasts is just totally exploded and there's like a hundred thousand or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, someone tweeted, they said daily reminder, you don't have to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're grandfathered in. Yeah. Since we've been doing this for so long. Yeah. Well, John, you have a, uh, a vacation coming up? You
1: guys going anywhere? No, it's not a vacation. It's staycation. just a... It's not even a staycation. It's just a time off. It's just time for me to, to uh, decompress a bit. It's right. called get staycation. Some, get some chores done and hmm. maybe sleep in a little bit. And
0: Well, one of these years, I'll take more than about one day a year off. Maybe, maybe next year I can do that. You got a week off recently, didn't you? No, I did it over the weekend. We took a we took a, a a long weekend.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, I hadn't taken I haven't taken any time off this year, and it's been a rough year. And
0: I just I have nowhere to go. And by the way, wasn't that that was uh, when we went to Colorado Springs, and that was that was last year? Oh, was it wasn't. Yeah, it was. When you went to when you went on vacation? Yep, <laughs> that was last year. That was
1: 2019. Man. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling a little burnt. It just depends on week to week. Like, this last week wasn't too bad. The week before, and was it the week before? Maybe this week. More so than last week. That was last week. Sorry. Yeah, yeah you were getting a little cranky last week. What, was I cranky last week? I was, was going to say last week I was doing
0: better. Maybe it was two weeks ago. It was
1: two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. yeah last week I was doing better because I was actually focusing on a single project. I mean, I still had a few distractions, but most of my focus was on one project. It was complicated. It still is going. It's still complicated. It's starting to get on my nerves a little bit because... Um, Every time I build something to solve something for the requirement, I get a new requirement, and that just blows everything out of the water because it's just expanding scope. So I've got to find a way to get a handle
0: on that. John, it's agile. It's not expanding scope. It's agile. Okay. The requirements are emergent. Well, that's fine. We're iterating. That's fine, but sometimes the
1: requirements are a little unreasonable. and I'm (laughs) like, okay, I can build that, sure. But it's going to take me like three weeks. Do you really want that nice little... Bit of automation because you don't want someone to go and look at it. That's my problem with automation. I'm having a big problem with automation these days because I feel like we rely on it way too much. And on this one particular client, they are f- not forcing us, but they are pushing us hard for more and more automation. And it, I think it comes back to that same old trope, whatever you want to call it, of people not trusting people. They don't have any confidence in their people, and they want the automation because they want they don't want that dumb person sitting over there on their desk that they don't like and they don't trust to have to manage that, to have to go in and look at something and make a decision. And to me, that's just, you've got the wrong people then yeah. either a, you need to trust your people or train them better or B, you've got the wrong person in that role and get rid of them and move on.
0: Yep. And depending on whether it's, you know, a, a single person problem or whether it's like a department problem or just an entire company culture problem, like you're going to probably solve it differently. Yeah. And if, if that's just the way your company operates, Then, yeah, solve it with technology. (laughs) Yeah. But if you just have, like, one person that you're trying to literally build systems around because they're not the right person, then maybe maybe fix your people problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be as simple as you need more people because that person's overloaded. Yeah. Or that person just isn't able to do the job. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, it's weird things. Like, you know, if 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 this record is created and this record exists and this record exists, then go and mark this as done or something. I'm like, well... Somebody needs to look at those things. I, I can go and say the record exists, but I can't tell you if it's the right record or it's the right document that was uploaded or that I can tell you a document was uploaded, but I can't open that document, analyze it, read it and go, yep, this is exactly what we needed to, to, in order to complete this process. So go ahead and mark this as done. No, someone has to go in and look at it, but they're bypassing all that because they want automation to, to mark things. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going automation crazy here. Oh man. Well, because yeah. then, because then, then how do you maintain it? Like we went from, from a very rigid rule system, we're not, we are not. went from a few handful of rules that were done in process builder, which caused performance nightmares. Those got split up into vocable processes and flows, got even worse, moved it all to code, but because of timing, budget, and everything else, it was me hard coding those rules into the code. And now the client wants to know how they can maintain this moving forward because they have to change these constantly. I'm like, well, I didn't build it that way. I'm going to have to build it that way if that's what your expectations are. Otherwise, you're going to need a developer to come in here and maintain this because in order to meet the performance requirements and all the rule requirements of that point in time, we custom built it for that for those scenarios. Yeah. And let me tell you, code coding something for someone to be able to do something, modify it declaratively and things like right. that is extremely difficult. Right. There's so many things you have to factor in. Yep.
0: Um, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, because by default, you know, you're... Within reason, I mean, you're kind of going to build what you've been asked to build um, because you don't want to overbuild because it costs a whole lot of money to, right. to overbuild. So, you know, you don't you don't build in knobs and levers that are never going to be needed.
1: Right. Um, Unfortunately, these knobs and levers look like they're going to be needed. I just even even with those knobs and levers, the, the, the rule set is complicated enough that I think it's going to take someone with a good analytical mind to maintain them.
0: Yeah, well, the world is a complicated place. Yeah, you know, just wish Einstein would hurry up and I, I and uh, take over our
1: jobs for us. Well, so I can just sit around the couch and get uh, what was it called? Universal income, basic income, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's sit on the couch, play play my new PlayStation Five, and uh, and uh, collect collect
0: money from the yeah. government. When when's that going to start? I, don't know. I mean, that's you know, I can't wait for the day when we all just get to sit around and do nothing, and we're going to be those fat people from Wall-E. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But we won't be going anywhere. We won't have any little fancy. That's, that's the fallacy of wall is that there's carts where people are moving. The reality is they'd be sitting in one spot for the entire time. So
0: what's the thought on that? That we'll have robots doing between artificial intelligence for problem solving and robots for the physical aspect of things. Like We won't have to do anything,
1: right? right? Until they revolt <laughs> because they're
0: tired well, of taking care of that's us. That's always and, the problem.
1: And then we have to... We have to create a whole revolution and fight against the robots and the matrix thing and all that. Then we're
0: gonna have to work again, damn it.
1: And then we're gonna have to work again. <laughs> yeah. It'll be just like Wall. It's Wally. Yeah. At the end they come off the spaceship and they have to learn how to walk and <laughs> learn how to grow plants and Yeah.
0: Hmm. What do you know? Oh. oh um okay. Well, what, any news this week, John? You know, um, do we want to talk about the the, the masks. Do we want to? Do we, um, do oh, you we, do we want a quick that? meeting? So, so, John actually got just a small run of Good Day Sir masks printed. They look pretty cool. I haven't opened any of the packages yet. They're individually sealed. So they're uh, yeah. COVID free on the inside, I guess. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got them to see if it was, I got them just for personal use, just for me and you, just to have and have the logo on it. it was, I wasn't planning on like mass producing and panning yeah. these out, yeah. but it worked out because I'm not too happy with them. I mean they're,
0: they're okay, but I'm not like thrilled with them. But uh, and since they ended up being free, that's okay.
1: and since they ended so, up being free yeah. because I ordered them, they disappeared off the radar, and I got a refund for them. And then all of a sudden, like a week after the refund, they showed up. I'm like, oh, yeah. You
0: well, know, we should figure out some kind of uh, contest or some way people can earn them a good day's or a mask. I'm not sure, sure that's any, that's anything that anyone would actually want, but on <laughs> the off chance it is, yeah as a novelty yep. as an extreme rarity
1: cuz there's only 10 in existence and you've only got 5 Yep well, So news uh mm-hmm. can we talk briefly about that what was it a week ago the stupid Kramer interview with Benioff where where it was posted out on Twitter that they had some exciting news and we're all speculating that it, of some you know crazy ideas and it turned out to just be another uh mm-hmm. advertisement for work.com and vaccine tracking
0: invest in america
1: yeah is that what we're doing yeah yeah so
0: what about that john
1: that's all it was and i was so just i was so let down that was free
0: advertising it was more than free advertising it was free pr it was just uh that the john actually grotesque no the it's grotesque (laughs) (laughs) there's a term for this actually it's called earned media earned media yeah and Benioff has earned him some media, some <laughs> just uh, free again, free advertising. Let's see. What does earned media? Earned media refers to publicity gained through promotional efforts other than paid media advertising, which refers to publicity gained through advertising or owned media, which refers to branding. Wow. That was a weird sentence. Yeah. I
1: mean, I guess I shouldn't expect much from Kramer, but especially when it's a Kramer Benioff combination, because they're such buddy buddies, it's it's, it'd be like you having a show me having a product, and you inviting me on to talk about my product. Yeah, but but trying to under the guise that it's just some
0: some random interview. I, don't know. I think the only thing people anyone expects from Kramer is just entertainment. That's all he is. That's yeah, what he really is. He's, yeah. a, he's a train wreck, and so it's you know it's like wow, I'm going to watch that guy. That's crazy, you know.
1: Yeah, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't. I, I certainly wouldn't trust financial advice from him because this show isn't about financial
0: advice; it's about entertainment. Well, he is... Not that he... Could, no, it is about financial advice, but it's, he's, it's all about it for his own personal financial advice. He's telling you what stocks to buy and <laughs> not buy. <laughs>
1: it, it's, it's along the lines of these news personalities. They're, they're, opinion column, they're the opinion personalities on, on news where they, they tell you the news. It's news, but it's telling you from their perspective and their opinion, kind of like us in Salesforce. Um, it's just like that. It's not, it's not like a real
0: fact-based show no it's an s what we call an s show show. (laughs) he has no idea how bad it is out there he has no idea he has no idea but
1: he is entertaining he is he is i will admit that (laughs) and it is kind of funny to see him and benioff interact because you can tell where they have like scripted moments and where they don't like where things kind of just don't go per plan
0: well, no, you can, exactly. I mean, it's definitely a script and you can tell when one of them accidentally goes off script right. and the other one has to kind of get them back on script. Right. I mean, we've noticed that several times. I wish I had an example. I think it's well Kramer
1: it. though. I think Kramer's the cause of it. I think Benioff has the plan. He knows what he wants to say, but Kramer in a, in in his attempt to try to make it entertaining or mm-hmm. put his personality or spin on it.
0: Well, he thinks he's got the, the skills to ad lib and, yeah. and then get back on track, but yeah. sometimes he gets a little lost in the weeds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, You know, speaking of Einstein, you brought up Einstein. Uh, Is it time to put Einstein on uh, Death Watch? Mm, Maybe. Well, so and I'm I'm being uh, hyperbolic. I'll just put that out front right now. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, I'm trying to get some earned media, John. I'm I'm teasing a story that's not really true (laughs) or is actually empty. Um,
1: You're asking questions.
0: But no, so we had... um, We've had some Einstein products Uh in the past that have been killed off, the voice one and the doll if the doll counts, Einstein voice whatever that was and some other couple other things I can't remember. Um, But now Einstein Analytics I believe is and I don't know this is the thing when you read the press release so the story is is that Einstein Analytics is somehow going to be rolled into this some kind of Tableau thing and also Tableau is either adding something new called Tableau CRM or it's becoming Tableau CRM, which is a whole other dimension of confusing because is Tableau creating a, C- is it a CRM that Tableau has now? Or is it Tableau for CRMs? Yeah, so that's and how I it, interpret is it. Is it Tableau for any CRM or is, it, or is it just specifically Salesforce? And is it, and is it, and is it a way for Tableau to like, because right now Tableau can't even access the Einstein Analytics database. What I think is that, well,
1: if you've read the story and you have more information for me, than great. Then this is, I, I then don't. you can I'm correct gonna, me. I can pull the story up. But my, my understanding, or at least my imagination of what this is, is that I think more and more capabilities will get moved over into Tableau in terms of the analytics part of data analytics, part of Einstein will get moved into Tableau and that Tableau CRM will refer to the, the component that lives inside Salesforce. So it's Tableau
0: for CRM. Yeah. Here's my guess, and so here, let me read the, an exact sentence here. So, Einstein Analytics will be renamed to Tableau CRM, and continue to provide the best analytics and AI experience in the Salesforce CRM workflow. So, I, I think this is. I think the overall thing here is to unify the brands. Sure. And, I'll, and here's the other thing. I, th- I also think they're going to unify the SKUs because... Well, I think they're going to unify the teams. M- maybe that too, although they are very different code base. I'm sure they're... I mean, they are ground up, complete separate code bases, probably separate, maybe separate programming languages. You know, it's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like saying, you know, when Salesforce talked about, you know, uniting marketing cloud and sales cloud, still is... it is not. Now we pretty much know it's never going to happen. These are completely separate products that would cost you a billion dollars or more to like completely unite. I mean, you can you do some in- integration,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but they're just separate worlds. Um, but I think we need to unite some brands. I think we need to sure. mer- merge some brands. And I think we need to unite some SKUs because Salesforce has the ongoing problem of uh, um, guidance to in terms of like, wh- what's, the, what's the messaging and the positioning? It's still confusing. I mean, sure. you know, the last thing that Benioff said was that Tableau was analytics for the rest of us or something like that, meaning it was, you know, simpler and more, you know, citizen, more democratized, right? Um, and 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 I do agree that Einstein Analytics, I mean, it could have some of its rough edges smoothed over a little bit, which would make it more democratized. <laughs> but that, that was a weird positioning. It was not the positioning I expected. I thought, you know, you just went out and paid $16 billion or whatever it was for, for this analytics company, surely that's the premier product, right? Not the dumbed down one. Yeah. So it just that that blew me away. I still don't know what to think about that. But I, but I think the problem is customers don't know what to think about it. Right. And probably AEs don't know what to think about it. I mean, they're gonna, you know, AEs are gonna sell what you know what what makes them most money. So that's that's already a problem right there. So like there's too many different incentives, and there's too much confusion. And let's just unify well, yeah, it. Yeah, I
1: mean, which one do you recommend? So, I mean, do, you, do you recommend Einstein Analytics? Or do you recommend know. the client go to Tableau?
0: Well, I mean, there's, th- 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 I think there are, I mean, there are answers to those questions. But the, th- th- the problem is we have to ask those questions. You know, if you dig deep enough and ask, the, and ask the right questions, then you can you can answer that question of which is the right one. But it's just, you know, it's friction in the sales process. And it's. It's a confusing message, and you're you're spending you know even though Salesforce is a big company that spends a lot of money, you're still spending your limited resources on a diluted and you know bifurcated message. Yeah. And w- wouldn't it be better if you just had Tableau Analytics or whatever it's called? And and wouldn't it be great if like and especially after Salesforce kind of like depreciates or amortizes whatever it would be like th- the the all the engineering they put into Einstein analytics. um, Once that's kind of been paid down or whatever, like then just go ahead and merge them. Like you don't, you don't need two separate analytics brands. And even though they still are separate products, you can unify them under one under one brand and make the integration better. So one thing they talked about is they're, they're going to be allowing um, Tableau to, to connect to the Einstein analytics database right now. Apparently you can't. Mm. That's kind of a weird limitation. Yeah. And then so over time, you know, you, you, over time you unify kind of the workflow, the, the UIs and maybe eventually one can, could truly replace the other, but they're both going to have to continue to exist. It's just, again, the messaging is it's just too, too much friction. So I think it makes a lot of sense if if you can, if it doesn't take too much of a hit writing, writing down or depreciating that investment too fast um, to just unify them and, and you know, you don't have to worry the, the client doesn't have to spend a lot of cycles in the in the in the RFP process or evaluation process to you know they don't have to evaluate both different systems. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, oh, you want our analytics? Okay, here's the SKU. It's the you know, here's the license cost. It's probably, you know, it's let's say it's just similar to what either what Einstein Analytics or Tableau would have cost you. Um, but now you essentially get this unified product. You get both. You get both.
1: So speaking of branding, why why wouldn't they just change tableau as a brand into something very salesforce centric just call it salesforce einstein and,
0: and and that tableau is winning the brand war here against einstein that's it that's the other interesting part yeah. but i think it's because honestly tableau is just a it's just a bigger brand than einstein is i mean tableau had a pretty big has a pretty big name in the analytics space i mean one of the premier ones i would say yeah I don't know that, I mean, I think the technologies
1: will still coexist. I mean, because Einstein, beyond just the analytics platform itself that has all the lens and Mm -hmm. and data stuff like that, there's other parts of Einstein, like the lead scoring analytics and your forecasting analytics and all that kind of stuff that's handled differently from data mining analytics, I guess I'll say, to try to differentiate the two. Um, So I still think that the machine learning aspect of it will exist, but do you think they'll continue to to use the Einstein brand for those other features? Or do you think they'll let go of Einstein? Because
0: yeah, so the they are paying a license for that. So I, I agree with everything you just said. I just want to clarify. That is kind of what I was trying to say is that, I, I, you know, Einstein Analytics, it's, it's going to stay. I mean, in, <laughs> you know, you're not going to turn on Einstein Analytics, you know, next month and it's, you know, you're logging into a different place and there's not lenses and data sets. It's, it's, it's all the Tableau terms. It, that's not going to happen. Einstein Analytics is going to remain as an, the functionality and the technology, the, the infrastructure and all, all the things that make up on Analytics is not going anywhere. What we're doing is cleaning up some branding and simplifying the SKUs and the message. And over time, yes, in improving the integration between the Tableau world and the Onset Analytics world.
1: And bumping the stock because it's a slow news cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're up. They've been up. Yes. I mean you know they uh, they, were, they were they were a contributor to the dow being up with uh, along with was it IBM they were both pushing the
0: what day when when you it was yesterday about? i think oh yesterday well and then um, and then trump announced at the end of the day towards the end, towards the end of the trading day that the i guess it was the, the deal from the house of representatives t- to do another t- just money giveaway to american citizens um, that he oh. wasn't he wasn't going to do that deal as it, as it was written. Mm. And that tanked the stock market. I mean, like, a couple percent. Mm. But I noticed this morning it was pretty much had gained all that back. But yeah, Salesforce is talking. I'm I mean,
1: a little nervous about doing another giveaway right now.
0: <laughs> you know, Cause I, we're, we're on the
1: verge of new next-gen consoles being released, and I can just see everyone taking that check and buying a new PS5 or Xbox.
0: You know, pretty much my whole adult life, I've had concerns about... Um, our money supply not being pegged to anything real yeah. and, and also our increasing debt and deficit. But at this point, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of, I've always kind of rejected the modern monetary theory, just the idea that, which I'm not going to do this any justice, but it's basically the idea that, you know, these federal, these federal bank, that these central banks um, are, specifically the American central bank, but really the, the gen, that's just a general notion that any central bank, um, the money supply can completely be manipulated. It doesn't have to be pegged to anything. Um, and you can just kind of keep printing money and it's okay. And inflation's not going to be a problem. And, and, you know, governments can use that as a, as a piggy bank in a way. And that's, that's what we've been doing. I mean, and we don't, I mean, the question is like, is there inflation that's right underneath the covers. We just don't see it yet. And it's going to explode at some point. Right. Because, I mean, we, especially after the, well, the COVID thing hit and we gave businesses and people basically trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars, that's on top of our uh, existing like $4 trillion a year deficit. And now it's just like, well, I guess none of this shit matters. I guess it doesn't matter. Oh, well, shoot. You took that to a serious place. <laughs> Oh, well, sorry.
1: Now my joke seems insensitive. Oh. <laughs> I'm over here joking that people are just going to waste their money and go buy game consoles, and you took it to a serious place. Now I look like a jerk. But, but you know, it serves
0: a purpose. I mean, it keeps money flowing.
1: No, it and, does. And it, it does. And there are people who do need it. I mean, there are people who, who are don't have the money to pay their rent. They, they're they on with the furlough kind of program right now, and, and that's going to catch up to people sooner or later. And so something does need to be done, I think, uh, beyond just opening everything up and in my, in my opinion, I just, yeah. I, I don't care if, if you want to force everyone to wear masks and stuff, but I, I like companies to, or small businesses to be able to run their businesses. I that's, yeah. it. I mean, though, we've always been told that the small business market is, is what really runs our economy.
0: Yes. And that, and it was driving, you know, most of the growth of the economy has yeah. been small businesses for, for really decades now. I think it's a couple of decades.
1: I mean, who else, who, who's going to, what Salesforce going to buy now? Because there's no more small businesses to buy.
0: <laughs> well, that's
1: not How are they going to maintain their growth?
0: I think there's a few left, John.
1: And, well, we need, we need to make sure yeah. we keep farming some small businesses so bigger companies can buy them. <laughs> that's true.
0: Anyway. Um, so, anyway, are we, are we, do you have anything else to say on the Tableau Einstein merger slash Einstein Analytics death? At least the death of the name. I hope that that what
1: comes with it is some knowledge I I'd like to understand kind of what the differences are a little bit more what the positioning is from a salesforce perspective like if we have a potential client who wants who's interested in analytics you know what do we say where do we point them to or how do we how do we ask those right questions that says you know what you're fine with Einstein or you know what invest more in Tableau you know
0: yeah I I wonder because, I mean, I've been thinking about, I am mean, have kind of been working towards um, getting my Einstein Analytics certification. I'm actually assuming that exists. That's a thing. Because <laughs> I've been doing a lot of the trails and mm-hmm. uh, reading documentation and doing all kinds of samples and things. Um, so, um, but yeah, I wonder, you know, what is there, is that certification still going to exist? I'm sure it will. But it'll be called the Tableau CRM.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, they've done branding changes like that that's before
0: true. on certifications, so... Well, I mean, I guess if you're community cloud certified, now you're going to be Experience experienced. cloud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, God! The, the naming, the the name changes. It's just I can't keep up.
1: we've been we've been, trying,
0: we've been doing this for so long. We I know, know
1: th- we know that the name changes inevitable. I'm, I'm I'm surprised that we're still calling things clouds though. Cause I swore that would have that would have. Uh,
0: well, John, what about the the granddaddy misnomer of them all at this point? Salesforce. Yes. Yeah. That's one I think they wish they could change. You know, it, it was the best name they could have had for about the first 10 or 15 years of their existence.
1: But is it, though? I mean, it still aligns with Benioff's vision, right?
0: Oh, I, th- I think we, o- ben- we only
1: do one thing, and that's CRM, right? Oh, is that what he said?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a good prompt, John. It but, was, but, but I don't have a search feature on my... Uh, I don't even know if I had that on my soundboard. Oh, here we go. Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. Uh, but I wish he could, Oh and uh, Tableau,
1: the Tableau CRM. See, they're reinforcing the CRM aspect that's
0: true. of it. You know what? He's actually making that statement true. Yeah. He's gonna rename, rename everything to something CRM. Tableau CRM. Community CRM. And everything's gonna be CRM. Cloud CRM. Yeah. Commerce CRM.
1: <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> All the CRMs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, could just RM everything, right? So MR well, I mean every there are R RM acronyms, so M R M and all that kind of stuff. But.
0: Well, also, um, you don't know the problem with CRM, right? No. When you say CRM, you're showing your age. Are you? <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's outdated. Who created the term CRM? Like Siebel, probably? Who, um, who was the big CRM back in the day? I think it was Siebel. I don't know. Because before that, it was just... I'm not as old as you contact managers and and Salesforce automation remember that oh yeah now we're too dependent on automation I mean that was uh that was a foretelling of the future wasn't it because back when we called it Salesforce automation there was nothing autom—there there's nothing automated about it
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you think we're more grounded and pra- practical back in the day about what computers would do for us so if, you, if you look back at old movies, old sci-fi movies, the systems weren't doing stuff for you. They were giving you information that you would then make decisions on. But now, all of AI is about making decisions for us.
0: I don't know. I still want the thing where you can put a little pill in the microwave, like on the Jetsons, and you push a button and then you just open it right back and it's like a whole meal. Like, do you want a pill? Or, whatever, or, or a do, little, you want, do you want a replicator? Some kind of Star little, Trek replicator. Yeah, so whatever. Whatever you want to call it. I think these are related
1: no, because you have to have the pill to do, hydrate.
0: Exactly. But the replicator
1: you can just have it in your back pocket and say, I want some pizza and it makes a pizza for you. Oh. I mean I guess if it if it's got And then and, and <laughs> because it's a replicator, you can be like, Uh, I need a fork because 'cause I'm a monster now, and I eat the- pizza with a fork.
0: <laughs> and you replicate a fork right. and you can eat your pizza with a fork. Well you can definitely three D print your fork. That's that's not that hard these days. No. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, but uh, on the thing that uh, the replicator do you have to does it you have to load it up with a supply of like all the the molecules and atoms it needs i wonder i've always thought (laughs) i've always wondered how that worked but yeah you've got to have some kind of matter right for it to to convert it's alchemy right unless it can create matter but that requires well see you can convert energy to matter somehow or another that's what the physicists tell me hmm So <laughs> that's the extent of our physics knowledge. Yep. <laughs> on to the next topic, which is um, next topic is Salesforce and Okta. Some news was this today, yesterday, yesterday. I didn't hear today. about this. What's yeah. going on with Okta? Okta. Okay, let's set some groundwork here. Uh, Okta is a one of these single sign-on kind of identity, identity corp- corporate identity yeah. management products. So, and I think it's all cloud-based. I think. So anyway, you sign up with Okta and it knows how to connect to like pretty much every SaaS out there and, and it can connect to all kinds of on-premise things. And then you can do custom, whether it's SAML or OAuth or whatever. So it gives your employees a place that, you know, they just go to, you know, sign in dot mycompany.com. And once they're signed into that, then they've got these nice little buttons that they can just hop to whatever app they want and it authenticates them into the app. Yeah. That's cool. Right. Yeah, It's it nice and easy. Um, and a uh, fun fact. I don't know. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, but the CEO of Okta, assuming he's still there, was a Salesforce employee. He left Salesforce to create Okta. And Okta's done really well. So, congratulations, dude. Uh, but anyway, Okta and Salesforce partner to strengthen trust. Get it? It's almost like a. They're not. Strengthen like, the trust site? Uh, no, strengthen- exactly. I mean, there's so many. That's definitely a multiple. <laughs> <laughs> meaning phrase there but they're talking about you know okay so the whole identity thing is, is about tr- establishing trust
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so they're play it's a play on terms anyway uh to foster trust and resiliency across their customer bases okta and i no, sorry okta will integrate the okta identity cloud it's independent and neutral platform with salesforcework.com oh. i didn't realize this was a work.com thing. so remind me what work.com is because i think they've rebranded that a couple of times now
1: I always thought it was part of the platform, so I don't see why it's a separate thing.
0: You thought Work.com was? Yeah. Um, so what is... Again, sorry. Remind me. What is Work.com? I don't know. I have to look now. Well, it was the thing they announced. I always thought it was just like their
1: HR platform, but it was still on the Salesforce platform. It wasn't that's, a separate system, not, was it? So that's
0: not an HR platform. That's probably misleading because um, it's not like a, a Workday type thing. I thought it was what they... Announced recently to help companies bring their employees back to work. No, it was, it existed before that, but it,
1: it, 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 it experienced a renaissance with all this new tracking that has to happen.
0: Yes. So the thing that was originally work.com, which is something they bought. I can't remember. Was it Mini? Oh, no, did they buy I forget. It? What was it? I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They, they, they bought a product and then labeled it work.com and it was a really like small business, you know, get things done, tasky type of thing or whatever.
1: No, and that was something else, nope, wasn't it? That
0: was work.com. I, I, would, I would bet some money on That was that. Desk or something like that. That was a to do app. Desk.com or something like that. Oh, is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I'm trying to look for previous news about work.com. But so Salesforce rolls out work.com for COVID vaccines. That was kind of the new thing that they're, they're even trying to sell that to like uh, governments and stuff. In fact, I think I've read yeah. that, I don't know, like Austin or some, some, some local government. It would be bought, Austin. Of course. But work.com <laughs> for. Austin's like Texas
1: is San Francisco. Kind of. College town, artsy town, clubby town, bar town.
0: And distinctively more like politically liberal than most of the rest of the state. Um, anyway. So, yeah, the. The. Uh, they, they, I guess they announced a, a major advancement to their Okta Advanced Server Access to accelerate scalability and compliance of cloud infrastructure. That was a word salad of nothingness.
1: Well, if it was his own product, then that, I guess that kind of makes sense why you could have an announcement on Work.com being a separate kind of connector.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, the thing that I thought of when I read this was Why are they doing this when they have Salesforce identity? Do you remember when they announced Salesforce identity? That was their Okta type competitor. That was their, that was Salesforce's own single sign on corporate solution.
1: Yeah, but this is announcing the reverse. It's not that Salesforce can connect to other things. This is that anything that if you have Okta, you can now connect to work.com.
0: Yeah, I mean, Okta's always worked with Salesforce. Like, you can use Okta with Salesforce. Yeah, I just want well, That's to- why I was wondering
1: why it was an announcement. But if, if work.com is a separate platform, then that makes sense why it would have a separate connector for authentication. But I don't think it for is. Authentication.
0: I mean, I think that they, they seem to, during this COVID thing, like, I mean, I think work.com was like, a, hey, I, I'm giving you guys 30 days to put together a, a custom skin. And some custom objects and, and things around this. Uh, and we're going to call it work.com and we're going to announce that we're going to launch this. Awesome. I think it's all on the Salesforce platform.
1: Well, then it's a way to make news and it's a way to advertise and it's a way to,
0: you know. It's a way to sell more, John. Way to sell more. Yep. That's, uh, Although, what, what do you think about, um, I guess there's
1: still, still going to be a fair amount of tracking that needs to happen. But I I think most companies now that they've experienced remote work and they've learned how to deal with it and they're managing it pretty well. How many people do you think are actually going to be going back to an office that need to be tracked?
0: Um, I mean, eventually probably a good amount. I mean, I don't know if it'll go 100% back to where it was, but I think, I think you're going to see companies start to require people come into the office
1: yeah i hope it's not required but i hope i hope there is a place for people to go back to because i I, th- I think about my situation and there are times where well this helps us coming to record in person helps because I, I get that personal interaction with you but there are things like you know we used to have that office back over there we, our first office and oh yeah it was so Robert. easy to just like hey i've got this problem come in my office talk to me about it grab a whiteboard work it out for like five or ten minutes and then go back to do our thing that's not something you can do when you're at home it's like Do you have five minutes and set up a zoom and now we're doing this? It's, it's not the same. Yeah. It's just not the same to collaborate with people or to just brainstorm with people. It's, it's not the same, even on video. It's not.
0: That reminds me, we got a hell of a deal on that office. If anyone knows anything about, you know, office real estate prices, um, nice, nice office in Dallas. It was, what was that? A couple thousand square feet. Yeah. Um, all window offices. Yeah. All window offices. And we were paying, Sixteen dollars a square foot, I believe. Wow, which is unheard of. Like around this conference th- room, like this. So this office right here that we're in it, <laughs> this <laughs> our studios in here. This is about, of course, it's just a small. I mean, we had a big space before. This yeah. is this is a we downsized. This is this is a normal office in a but on a big floor. That's part of a whatever. Um, we're not really in a suite um, like we were. This is like a hundred dollars a square foot <laughs> a year. Yeah. Um, but if you you know if you like here in Fresco. Um, or any of these, like, kind of this part of Plano right here, mm-hmm. these kind of hot areas. Um, well, this is before COVID happened, so I don't know what the hell is happening with real office real estate prices, but I mean, th- we were up to like 40 bucks a square foot a year. Yeah. And it's a big, difference. expensive. Yeah. It's yeah. It's really expensive. But even then back, back in the day, I mean, we ended up, most people ended up working from home a lot of the time. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. I don't.
1: I remember us coming in pretty frequently.
0: I th- you and I came in more than anyone else. Yeah. But, yeah. I needed a place to work. Yeah. I had a baby at home. and yeah.
1: it, was, it was tough to... Yep. ...to concentrate. For sure. When your baby's so cute and you just want to spend the day with him.
0: Well, John, you said you had some things to rant about. I think I did. That's what you said yesterday. <laughs> I did,
1: I did. I, I was I was wanting to vent on how automation heavy some companies are. Um, but I'm also okay, okay, I'm also kind of extremely realizing the value of having a good architect up front on a project that's very complex. We have so many solutions right now that we that and I don't I don't necessarily blame us for it. I think that's a combination of both us and the client where things just weren't communicated well enough up front. And so when we got down to the details of what really needs to happen, because it sounds really easy, we'd want to track XYZ, we want to take in forms as applications, we're going to create opportunities out of those, and and we're going to have a little bit of automation just to check a few boxes here and there for reporting. It turned into this huge thing where we had to manage very complex rules and things. And we had solutions to find, and they were easily solved either with current automation, which we ended up moving to code because of integration performance things and all those kind of things. Um, but then we realize that it's it's something that has to be even far more complex than that, more dynamic, which put me in this kind of situation we're in we're in now. And I just wonder, you know, is that something? If I was the architect up front, would I've been able to tease that out of the client? Yeah, up front.
0: That's that's tough. I mean, that's and that's something that we are always trying to improve. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think most most or most good organizations probably do. But it's also something that, you know, it's a never-ending process of improvement. You, uh, you know, because you never, you never get, you never nail it. I mean, and also, I mean, you may get really good, but I mean, you're, you're always dealing with new organizations that are starting at square one. A lot of them, they don't know how to communicate. They they haven't been through these things. They've never done this before. And so they, so they can't help themselves as much as more sophisticated organizations can. Mm Mm-hmm. Who, who know how to communicate. They know how to describe what they, they need. And, of course, you know, you always need to make sure you're doing as good of a job as possible to ask all the, all the right questions and really probe and dig and why, 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 right. and all those sorts of things. But still, I mean, you know, an organization just, that's just more sophisticated is going to be able to, to go through that process better. Well, I think, I think some
1: of this happened because not everyone was in the same room there was a lot of meetings with a lot of different groups who each had their own kind of things. No, but They're it, all
0: sitting in their dining rooms on zoom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. People don't communicate as much right now.
1: Yeah. Communication is, is always an issue. I I'm just kind of, I'm really kind of trying to tease out, you know, from an, from an architecture perspective what and almost like a post mortem type situation, you know, like what could have been done differently, what what questions could have been asked that might have teased this out
0: a little bit sooner? Yeah, we John, we call those retrospectives. Post mortem is uh, not politically correct anymore. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. No. So
1: retrospective. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: So I don't know. Those are the things that bug me is is how to be a better architect, how to get to the right kind of solution upfront little bit quicker
0: and do you sorry to interrupt yeah um do you like jack yourself into the sales process yeah because where where do you start that (laughs) and how much time are you willing to spend yeah in the sales process yeah i mean you don't want to i mean obviously you don't want to um i mean we work in crm right what you you want to shorten sales cycles that's what we've been taught our whole lives isn't that what salesforce tells us every day yeah um, we want to shorten sales cycles, not lengthen them. I mean, close the deal, book the deal. Yeah. Like the month's going to end. The quarter's going to end, you know, <laughs> Yeah. don't, I mean, if you want to get fired, go throw a wrench in the sales process. Your ass is fired. Yeah. <laughs> and this is your fired. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is the struggle
1: it is a struggle you know when do you start that process when when does it really begin and then how do you reset expectations that's always the struggle but i don't know i feel like i've i've been i've had scenarios where i've done really well and it and i have feel like i have scenarios where i've done really poorly and i feel like with this one i could have spoken up a little bit more and more often like i got a solution i got told what to build and i was like okay that's what you need sure yeah because i wasn't really in the project i was brought in to kind of help fix things like oh our we relied heavily on process builder and flow not working out well let's bring john in so he can start building some stuff so i'm coming in after everything's already been started yeah and so i'm i'm looking at this and i i felt those solutions were not right but i was like i don't know the budget i don't know the client maybe this is the right thing i'm just here to hop in write some code and hop out yeah they didn't say hey john can you come in and boil the ocean for us yeah so that's what I did. And then as I got more and more and, and the requirements came and the testing feedback came back, I was like, ah, crap, that's not going to work. What you had me build is not going to work. I have to do this in order for it to work yep. to meet all the needs. And even at that, I had, I had to cut corners because I was still under a time constraint. Um, but now hearing additional feedback after go live, I'm like, I really have to replace that now. And so I'm just kind of in this retrospective move mood because i felt like i saw all those issues that were going to come up happen and i'm kicking myself for
0: not yeah you know fixing them at that point in time well you live and you learn yes yeah. but i think it i mean really i think a lot of this just gets and it does need to be pushed upstream earlier in the process
1: yeah well it's definitely one of those lessons i learned if i do, if i feel bad about something i'm definitely going to start raising alarms more so than I did. I I was in this weird place where I was just going with the flow and I'm not sure why I normally very very, you know what it is? It's because I had the year, not the company I was at before I was in the ISV, but the company before that um, was a brutal place for an architect. It really was. Um, Talk about short and sales cycle. They would sell something with no hours and the architect would have to figure out how to fit it into that or, or, Start the process of writing a bunch of change requests to get to increase the scope and hours. It was just.
0: Clients love those, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going to change request the hell out of this. That was, that right? was, uh, that was, that was the process was change requests. Yeah. Yeah. Get them, get them locked in on a contract and then change the, then change it to what you need. Yeah. And then blame it on the client. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we see that kind of thing all the time. Oh, I did want to talk about a couple of things, though. Okay.
1: Um, we didn't get to talk about this, and this was, this was actually an older post, I think. Uh, but it was in our Slack channel. Uh, can we say names if they were posted in our Slack channel? Or should we just not say names?
0: I don't know. Is it, how controversial is it? I'll state it, and you'll know exactly
1: what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, what would you do if you got your hands on a brand new org? How not to mess up, or how to not mess it up aside from the usual trigger framework and one record change automation per object was the question.
0: That, was, that ended up being a good thread, huh? Yeah, it was a good thread, and that's
1: why I wanted to kind of bring it up and talk about it. Well, can you give us,
0: like, the high points? What were the, what were the interesting re- recommendations? I can go through them. So, so what, well, actually, what were the ones that were baked into the question? Uh, one, one automation per object, and right. what was the other one? That was it. Oh, okay. I heard about something about record types, or I don't know. Did I not? Well,
1: that's in the thread, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so one, of, one of them was kind of standardizing your naming conventions, which, which well, I'm, I'm mixing conversations. We, <laughs> we, we, we've always talked about that, though. Um,
0: well, it's always a good idea to try to standardize naming conventions for things. It you know, is. Come, come up with like a, do you pluralize things? Do you not? Are you allowed to abbreviate? Are you not? Yeah. Um, well, there's that, but you I know. think the bigger
1: normalization that everyone talks about is whether or not you use underscores or spaces. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, underscores or no no So, no
0: so spaces. I gave up on no underscores because I hate underscores in things. It makes looks like Ruby code, which I don't like. <laughs> I don't um, like it either. But I gave up. I just gave up. First of all, because well, two reasons. You know, Salesforce by default creates na- uh, you know names with underscores in them, and it takes additional effort to go and remove those right which number one people aren't going to do and if they did do it they'd probably screw it up like they'd they'd be deleting underscores and they'd actually delete a letter too or something you know yeah Yeah. or or
1: the casing because the casing bothers me too so like if you have like a a, the label's like four and something yep but the and is lowercase because that's that's the label but in the if you were to squish that into what 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 is that called it's not camel case it's um where every every first word is capitalized. It's, it's called something.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, what is that? I don't know what that is. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Anyway, it, if
1: you were going to squash it down, then you'd have to capitalize the A so that you'd have that... You'd know that that was the start of the new word. But uh,
0: anyways. Yeah, there's... Um, Another uh, one was... Uh, pa- Pascal case, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, I but, think it's yeah. Pascal case. And then you have... Um, what's it? Snake? Snake case? Oh, what's snake case? I don't ever heard of that. is not that. Isn't that... Isn't that when you do underscores between words? What is, yeah. Oh, it's is like, that what it is? That's, like, it, that's what makes it look like Ruby to me. Hmm.
1: Well, another recommendation was setting up a standard uh, development cycle. And I think this is really kind of speaking more towards the DevOps side of things, You know, keeping track of your changes, having a change log, uh, a process for how you move stuff into production, or even
0: just having some kind of flow. Yeah. Do you have... Um, yeah, what system are you using to to, to manage your work, like, oh, like GitHub issues would be fine or Asana or Trello or something, right? That, you know, do you have a backlog and how do you figure out what gets worked on next? And then how do you know what got worked on? How do you know what got built? How do you know what got tested? How do you know what got deployed? All those, all those things.
1: How do you know what's ready for release? Uh, How do you know what's approved for release? And the bigger one, which I think gets lost in all this is the security aspect because everyone kind of just says, I'm going to create a field and add it to all profiles. Well, that's not a very secure way of managing a system. You really should add your field, but don't add it to any profiles and manage it. Or just add it to the
0: profiles that need it, I guess.
1: right? I'm not a fan of that either. I'm a fan of moving away from profiles completely for for that kind of stuff. I really think it should live in a permission set. I think that's the way to go, especially for security reasons, because you can create one, one permission set that gives you permissions for, say, a feature, module, or group, and just add people to that. So it actually reduces your work a little bit in, in, in a way, some ways. Yeah. Um, also adds to your work in some ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think you had mentioned this when I discussed it, you know, people will happily create fields and they're blowing along through it and they're adding it to profiles and it's there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not deploying profiles to production. I never do yeah, because it breaks things. Yeah. And so all those new fields that got created, they're in production and no one has access to them, not right. even system admin.
0: That is one of the most common causes of deployment failures i mean Mm -hmm. the deployment succeeded but no nothing works
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, another one talked about uh kind of package development or source driven development that's a harder thing to do it's something i'm actively working on right now to solve outside of whatever might come from devops i'm trying not to wait for that because i think we need to solve that sooner than later so
0: can we can we rewind to the underscore thing sure because i didn't finish my second or maybe it's my third point on why I gave up on getting rid of underscores mm-hmm. is because ultimately you can't get rid of them because Salesforce jams them into everything. Underscore, underscore C underscore, underscore R underscore, mm. underscore E, um, you know, namespace underscore, underscore, you just you can't get rid of them. Yeah. So just, so if you know you can't get rid of them anyway, then why would you fight to remove some of them? It's just not worth it.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times in, in, in code, I mean, except, certain scenarios I'm usually abstracting away from the fields anyways how do you do that well I'm usually loading that data into some object in that object I have properties that represent that data
0: but you're loading that process of loading into your objects depends on those field names though
1: it does but I only have to do that once and then everywhere else it's referencing the property name yeah and I do that for testability reasons so that I can stand up I can set up a test of data without actually incurring the DML in certain scenarios and run the test yeah which I thought would save me tons of time. It does not because Salesforce still freaking takes five minutes to queue up my test.
0: Yeah. I actually, I used to do a lot more of that abstraction away from de- 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 dependency on what do we call those S objects? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't do much of that anymore.
1: Uh, I, I learned a bad lesson. I got into not a bad habit, a bad pattern of designing certain summarizing scenarios. I don't know how to say this. I've, I've, I've built this twice already and I regret the way I built it. And that is that I have a lot of decisions to make. And so that those decision points require looking at a couple of different fields. So what I would do is I would load the data model. Then I would have a class that would represent all the decision points. So if it's like, you know, if they're a new person or something, but to determine they're a new person, they can't have any opportunities or this or that or that. So three items. And so I'd have one property that represented that decision point. And I would then compile that and say yes or true. And what that did is that allowed me to evaluate something and dump it to JSON or something and see all the decision points. Mm. And so I could debug if something didn't get assign, assigned correctly because of some decision, I could look at the debug log very easily and see that. Yeah. The problem came when I was trying to maintain that. Because then, in order to maintain it, I had to look at my decision. Okay, where did this go wrong? Okay, to the decision. Go to that property. Now go to the function that built that property. Now go find all the mappings for that. It just became this series of hops to try to maintain and figure out what was going on. So while in one way it improved my ability to debug something up front, um, it also made it harder for me to maintain and change over time. So yeah. I think I went overboard in a certain aspect with it. I liked the idea. It served my purpose. But then... When I came back to it after not looking at it for a while, that's what happened. Yeah.
0: And that's the other consideration is like, okay, I, you know, I may think I have got some of the best abstractions in engineering and maybe I do, but at some point, especially in the consulting business, I'm going to pass this on to other people that are going to have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And is it, is it too much? I think if someone else looked at it, they'd be like, what were you
1: thinking? Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried something, um, it works, it's good code, it's just, it didn't work out, it didn't, how, how would you say that? It was good at the time, but it didn't work out in the future, yeah, like, it, it just, it just didn't, was wasn't there.
0: Yeah, and it's like, and if, if this thing that, you know, you've built, if it requires, you know, some pretty, some pretty strong discipline to maintain the conceptual integrity of it as it evolves, yeah. then what, what is the likelihood that the people that will be working on this are going to be able to do that?
1: Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, So that was,
0: that was a lesson learned for me. that's a recent one too. Uh, I know
1: we're running short on time, so let's move this along. Uh, This was a weird recommendation. (laughs) Uh, No record types was one of the recommendations, which I, I kind of agree with. I think people go
0: crazy with record types. Some, well, some people do go crazy. I mean, I've heard people say that, you know, every object gets a record, gets record types. I'm just like, wow, that's a horrible principle. (laughs) Um, it sucks for ISVs you... too
1: dealing with record types existing or not. That's true, and um, especially if you turn them all off, because if you don't, if you don't ever have record types on an object, this happened to me with Opportunity. Didn't have record types. I could access the record type field, no problem. As soon as you create a record type but disable them all, so now there's only the master. You can't get to the field. You
0: can't get to the field. Yeah. It throws an error. Yeah, <laughs> and so you broke things. Yeah. Um. Record types, you know, sometimes record type is what fits the bill the best. It's I just don't think record types are a great solution. They've just got because they there's they come with some baggage as the problem. Yeah, with record types, but sometimes it's worth it. You just have a security need or a it just makes sense. It's better than you know creating different custom objects. You know, but if you know you know what I'm saying. because sometimes I think it's the, like you know what because sometimes when you're thinking to yourself, man, this really could use a, a record type. And the more you talk about it, the more you realize actually what you have here is a different custom object altogether, which is great when you make that realization. But when it doesn't go that far, sometimes I do think record type is the right thing, given, even given its baggage and issues.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with that. And I think the other thing where it gets kind of misused is as a way to kind of control your layout. Because you can assign layouts yeah. to record types is and that with that. Well, because, uh, you know, it's. They want to hide a section or something, so they create a new record type, so this field doesn't have that, that type. Um, so you end up creating more record types than you really need or want because you just want to hide something from a user when
0: it, it's perfectly fine for them to see that or just take it off their profile. You know, what I, you know what I hate is when I'm adding a new custom field and I get to the screen where I realize that, oh, crap, there are 12 different page layouts, and I have to figure out. Not, <laughs> I, have right? think, not only I have to figure out which of these page layouts needs that record that needs that field because also that involves sometimes depending on how these things are configured going to each page layout and seeing what record which profiles it's assigned it's assigned to mm-hmm. and only then do you know which page layouts the, the custom field should get right but then you add it to you know, then if you're beyond the screen where you can just add them in mass to whichever page layout you want but then you need to go if you're a good admin good builder is that what we're called now builders uh, you need to get, go into each of those page layouts and then artisanally choose where it goes, you know, like, and then adjust things. And yeah. <laughs> oh, and the pick list thing, it affects. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 And and uh, from a metadata perspective, record types are a pain in the ass, too, because they yes. they, just, they have a big effect on metadata. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry I've got like a mosquito bite on my... Center. I keep thinking Just, you're checking time. So I'm no, like no, trying no. to rush See through. That? I've got like two, actually. There's like one there and one there. There's something bit me. Yeah.
1: Uh, someone posted like some recommendations of things that they do. So one is they change the default time zone company information to the primary for that, for that company. So I guess whatever HQ's time zone is, make that the, yep. the default time zone, uh, set all org wide default sharing settings to private. So privatize everything.
0: Um, See, I'm not sure that's that, that's an, it depends to me. I mean, a, a lot of organizations just makes a whole lot of sense for everything to be public read-write. There's just not really a need for any kind of additional, you know, record hiding or privacy beyond that, which is great. So do you think it causes
1: performance issues one way or the other?
0: Um, and that's a good question. I don't know that I've ever experienced that because I'll tell you what, man, this is one of those areas where you got to give Salesforce some credit. The way they implement uh, security, especially as it relates to which records you have access to is really efficient because it's all basically, you know, it, for every you know, for every p- profile essentially
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, there and for, for every combination of profile and and record whether it's a, con- a custom object, standard object, I'm pretty sure there's, a, there's an access record that they create. That's why sometimes when you go into setup and, and mess around with profiles, it'll say, oh, we'll ha- come back later because we have to recalculate. Well, mm-hmm. what it's doing, it's killing all the, it's re- invalidating all the those existing permission records they'd created and creating all new ones. But the great yeah. thing about that, it's all indexed. And right. so when you do your SQL query and you want to pull out, you know, a hundred thousand records a minute, it can do that. Right. Because I've seen systems... And <clears throat> that's what, <clears throat> where they don't <laughs> do that. And it's incredibly slow. I'm talking, you can look, you can just watch the records tick by like one per second as it's mm. updating or exporting or whatever.
1: And the reason I was asking about that performance thing, is I was, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, wouldn't it be more prudent from a security perspective to lock everything down and then explicitly open things back up? But I guess you're doing the same thing with a switch, right? With the same, you're doing the same thing by... Explicitly saying this is public, this is private.
0: Yeah, I think the great thing, if you're saying something's public or whatever, then it doesn't whatever back in Oracle queries have to happen. They don't even have to join in on it on the permission table anymore. Right. You know, they just can forego that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get privatizing everything and then kind of doing your due diligence and opening things up explicitly from a security perspective. But I think I think you're kind of getting the same thing out of deciding something's public and not just leaving it open. I think as long as you understand that, I think you're fine.
0: Yeah, there there is a in, in the security world. There's that principle of you start with the most restricted access and then you add as needed. I get that. Yeah, I get it. I like it. But just from a pragmatic perspective, sometimes you just know that hey, everyone's going to have access to all accounts. We have no need. F- I mean, if you're a an active user in the system, we want you to have access to all accounts. Okay, great. Then yeah. you, and, and maybe 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 you're still adhering to that as long as you go through that process for each for each object for each object type right then at least you can you can say that we did adhere to that principle we went through every object and determined whether first of all let's let's presume for each one that it's private and then ask the question well it's private by default but should we make it public by default right you know it's almost like if salesforce if you could just set it i think you can i don't know maybe you can't i don't think you can actually but if it'd be cool if it, it all came private. Of course, that would be a huge usability problem for Salesforce. And that, that day one experience would suck. But if everything was like uh, locked down to private and org wide sharing. And then just for each one, you're like, oh, should this be public? Yep. Okay, cool. Should this be like, okay, cool. And at least you have to ask yourself and you have to yeah. go through that process. So I think that was kind of the
1: point of that statement was that to, because it's not, everything is public by default, privatize everything and then go through the exercise as you're building it out, what needs to be public. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I don't know if I agree with this one, but this one is turn on field history, field history tracking for certain standard fields. And
0: I don't know. Yeah. The question is, you know, I, to me, it's, it's uh, context specific on which ones. I mean, yeah, sure. Turn on field tracking history for the ones that make sense. Of where, but I don't, you know, I think that's a, that's always a context specific qu- question you have to ask. I, I don't think yeah. there's any standard fields that are, or maybe there are. I mean, do you have any thoughts on, like, what standard fields come out of the box with, like, the CRM objects that just should be... Because there's some that already are, that are obvious ones, like opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like, stage, close date. Those, I think, automatically are history tracked, right? Yeah. So, those make sense. But are there any additional standard fields that you're like, oh, that should just always be tracked?
1: I don't know, names of accounts, uh, account numbers... Uh... Yeah, maybe. contact phone numbers and emails because, I mean, that's contact information. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, uh, yeah. is it important? To, uh, I don't know. A, I would say if anything, like maybe owner, record owner, it's like a standard thing that like just would always be good to see that history of how a record has changed ownership.
1: I don't know. A lot of it just seems like it's be noise. I, I, I think field history Great. tracking without an intended purpose is just noise. I agree.
0: And, and especially considering that Salesforce is not one of these systems that because some systems, I'm sure you worked with systems like this. Every change to every field or column in a database, mm-hmm. actually it all goes, gets put into audit, basically audit fields, history yeah. tracking fields, every single column in every single table. Yeah. You know, I've worked with systems like that. Yeah. But Salesforce doesn't do that. You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of by default, you don't get any. And, you know, you can add, I think the, the standard limit's like 20, you can add up to 20 uh, fields per object to, to be tracked. So it's definitely something that you know you can't have everything, but we'll let you have some. So you need to think about which ones you want. Right.
1: Um, going down the list, a lot of a lot of talk about record types and managing that, um, managing pick lists as well. Um, are you a fan of a pick list versus global pick list? Do you have an opinion on when to use what?
0: I mean, I think you know if it's if it's a. I'll use Salesforce. It's a, if it's a value set that is going to be common and shared across different fields, then totally. Sometimes it's hard to know whether it's going to be one. And then you got to change it, and that that's a
1: field type change, and that's one of my no nos on the on the yeah. best. I mean, best it, practices for release management is don't change things. Is it is it premature optimization to make every pick list a, a global value set? Did you hear what I just said? No. I said my best practice for release management is don't change things.
0: Oh. That's, <laughs> hey, you know what? That's not a bad idea. That was a bit of a Freudian slip, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. You know, if you don't want to get in car, wrecks, don't ever get in a car. If you want the best released experience, yes. just don't change it. I can guarantee you zero release failures. <laughs> just don't ever release. What I
1: meant to say is, is don't change things. Things like types and things like that, you well, know, you should create new fields and, and point things to them because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bitch for, I'm trying not to curse. It's, it's, it's difficult when you're trying to deploy things because Salesforce doesn't see that you changed it. It just sees a new, well, it saw, it saw that as a change, but like if you change the API things, um, it's hard to deploy and it's also hell on your version control as well. Yeah.
0: What is it? Isn't there some saying like the best line of code is the one that didn't have to be written. Yeah, there's some
1: languages that don't let you mutate the language, at all, mutate variables at all. Well, it's functional. You can lock functional down.
0: Yeah. No, no state. I yeah. still don't quite fully understand that, but...
1: Well, it's the idea that with these languages, most bugs occur through state mutation. Yeah. And that if you don't ever mutate state, then you're killing, like,
0: 80% of your bugs. Yep. Yeah, that's, I think that's one reason why most programming languages nowadays... Like, for example, strings are immutable. Right. You do a replace or whatever, you know, you get a new string. Right.
1: Which is... Memory be damned.
0: <laughs> well, that's, and that's why you also, you have things like, um, a lot of languages have a, an abstraction that's kind of higher level than a string. It's like, a, like a, a sequence of characters or whatever. And you'll have like string that implements that, but it's, but it's immutable. But you will have something like a string builder or a string right. buffer or whatever that also implements it, but it's a, the mutable version of it. So, because, you know, if you're building up, if you're doing a, a bu- building up like a big st- string through a lot of steps, it's mm-hmm. a lot of churn on the heap yeah. um, and just garbage collection. If you're, if you're getting an immutable string back at every step. Right. Yeah. Well, we got any more, John, any more of those? Because if not, we can wrap up because I'm getting close to my. Your cutoff. Yep. My limit.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think there's a lot of kind of discussion on the points from that thread about the points that we already mentioned. Um,
0: I will say that was an interesting thread. There's there's other goodies in there in our in the Good Day Sir Slack. And if you have not yet joined the Good Day Sir Slack, then you should do so by going to com and clicking on the community link and putting in your email address and you'll get added. Yep. We're up to like a, I think it's like 1200 people.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice-sized community. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's got informational things like that. And, and we uh, help each other with questions and problems and funny things and jokes and random things. There's stuff for the clickers. There's stuff for the coders. <laughs> there's stuff for it's, the lurkers. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, what else, John? Let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, you can send us topics or questions or concerns or prayer requests <laughs> or more <laughs> importantly sticker requests. I do have, sorry, there's, I've got like three or four in my queue right now. that I've had for a couple of weeks, um, I will get those out. I think I'm waiting on an address back from someone. The most common problem with sticker requests, I'll, by the way, I'll tell you, tell you folks is people that send in a request. like, Jeremy, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I'd love some stickers. You know, please send me five. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks. I'm like, well, where would you like me to send them stickers? <laughs> So I do, need a, I do need a physical shipping, or a, I guess a shipping address of some sort to, yeah. s- to send these to. And we can send them all over the world. Um, it is a little more expensive to send uh, international, but I found a way to do it that is not too terrible. You could send virtual stickers, just take a picture. That's true. I'm not sure. Yeah. Print these out and, <laughs> and <laughs> paste them. <yes. laughs> but um, you got to use that, that elementary school paste so you can have a
1: little paste it and have a little taste
0: or, or the glue stick or oh the paste yeah. oh yeah that had the brush Yeah, and down to the yeah. goo yeah, yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that stuff what's that made from like melted down cow hooves or something don't tell me that <laughs> i think i ate some of that <laughs> oh, uh, didn't didn't we all um but yeah if you like stickers uh just yeah the you know a quantity a reasonable quantity i think i could put up to like 20 in a in a in an envelope but if you only need like one or two then let you know that's that's totally fine um but i will need your address uh, but yeah, that, in, that email address that you send all these things to is info at good And other than that, just, uh, we need reviews. So please leave us a review and you know, your Apple podcast, your iTunes, your Google thing, your stitcher, we're still on stitcher, I guess. We're never on stitcher. No. Yes. No. Yeah. Spotify. 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 <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't use these things, John. Hopefully soon. Amazon music. I yeah. That's, that that's I hear so much people talking about that. That's, I guess that's a new big thing, huh? I guess yeah or mm-hmm. Amazon podcast or is Amazon music what is it it's Amazon m- music but there's a podcast right. section in it yeah yep but uh, we're just trying to be everywhere yeah I everywhere know. we can be share us on the socials you know it's uh it's a it's a it's it's one of these steadily growing communities but I still feel like it's in 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 comparison to the size of the Salesforce ecosystem we're just a little we're just like a little a little fly on the on the cow's butt
1: well, i was waiting for fishing a pond but oh <laughs> <Well>, that too
0: <laughs> fly on a cow's butt is that a texan thing it's got to be a texan it's, thing you know sure hey man i kind of grew up on farms here and there texas and kansas so so you learned where, how to navigate the fields yes mm. yeah exactly <laughs> i remember man there was this i'll never forget this seared in my memory um my sister and i are walking and she's she's got sandals on and she steps in a fresh <laughs> cow dropping, mm. and she screamed and kicked, and her sandal <laughs> probably shot 100 <laughs> feet into the air. That was great. You had to go get it? There's also the time, no. There's also the time when uh, the bull was chasing us, and my sister ran. She couldn't, was, you know, the electric fence is just like one wire. Mm-hmm. She didn't see it. Yeah. Oh. At <laughs> full speed, because we're running from the bull. Yeah. Full speed right into this. Into the electric fence.
1: <laughs> well, anyone who's grown up a farm has been dared to touch that at least once. Oh, yeah. That's and, not that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I've touched it many times. Yeah.
0: My grandpa told me to uh, convince it's, me. Isn't it always an uncle or, or no. someone you trust that says, touch that? Oh, no. My grandma convinced me to pee on it. He's like, oh, I can pee on it. <laughs> so I've done that. Uh, yeah. I don't. I'm just amazing that I was able to have kids. <laughs> To that, I say, good day, sir. (laughs) You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir!